But whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Well, thank you again for this honor to come and speak to you. And um, whenever I'm preparing, I get very blessed because the Lord obviously is dealing with me as I go through. And I was very challenged by this passage. And I kind of thought, oh Lord, when he says about... I want to attain the resurrection of his death, all these things. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't really think that's my prayer like it was for Paul. But what is it that we can learn from this amazing saint of God that will help us as we seek to walk with Jesus, to live an attentive life? So... The verse that really stuck out to me, really, you know, spoke out to me was verse eight, which says, counting everything as loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And it was obvious if somebody could write this, that they had had a profound experience of the Lord Jesus, and it was to such a depth that everything else, everything else, the good, the bad, the ugly, was as nothing in comparison to knowing the Lord Jesus. And when we look at Paul's legacy, if you like, what he actually did in writing about half of the New Testament, of traveling thousands of miles to take the good news, the gospel, to people who'd never heard it, establishing churches, um, just everything that he was able to do. But on the flip side, he was stoned and left for dead. He was whipped within an inch of his life on three occasions. He was put in prison. He was hounded out of town. He was misunderstood by his fellow countrymen, the Jews. 
sometimes Gentile businessmen did not like the fact that their uh, profits were being lost because people were coming to know the Lord. So he had this amazing story that he shares in the scriptures. Well, we've been looking at what it means to have a, an attentive lifestyle. And so I thought it'd be good just to spend a couple of minutes thinking about Paul's lifestyle before he discovered the Lord. And if you know this, I'm sure it's familiar to many of you in Acts chapter nine, we find that this chap who was called Saul at the time, he was a zealous Pharisee. He probably had studied the scriptures since early childhood and could have memorized them, could have given us chapter and verse. He was sure that keeping the law and being righteous before God was the way to be right with God. And when he found out that there was a group of people calling themselves the way, who were saying that this Jesus must have been all over town. What had happened to him, they, they were saying he'd been um, raised from the dead, that he was God, and that the only way to be right with God was through Jesus. And this caused him great anger and fury because he saw that as heresy, and it was something which had to be dealt with. And we know that he gets letters from the high priest, goes off to Damascus to bring these disciples back to Jerusalem for punishment. But on the way, I'll get back to the mic, but on the way, he has this amazing encounter. And there's this bright light, he's thrown to the ground, he hears a voice, and the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And his question was, who are you? Who are you, Lord, he says. And the voice replies, I am Jesus, who you persecute. And it seems in a split second he saw by the power of the Holy Spirit who Jesus is. He's blinded, he has to be led into the city and he spends three days without food or drink, but I guess he was praying. And I imagine he was repenting. He says later on in Galatians, he said, nobody, no man told me the gospel. Jesus himself taught me. So what went on in those three days? But by the end of that time, I'm sure he was certain of who Jesus is. And when we think about an attentive lifestyle, I just think of this lovely disciple, Ananias, a believer in Damascus, and he is sent to Saul to minister to him. And because he's heard of his reputation, wanting to bring disciples of Jesus back for, for imprisonment and maybe execution, he's a little bit scared 
of the assignment that he's given. But he says, here am I, Lord. And he goes to minister to Saul. He receives his sight back again and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he also gets the privilege of telling Saul what his ministry is, that he's gonna be sent to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. He will come before kings and the descendants of Israel. And I just think we never hear of him again, but that faithful disciple who had a key role in the restoration of Saul, later Paul, and all that he went on to do in um, the life of the early church. And in fact, as we read his word today, the word that, that God gave to him through the Holy Spirit, his legacy is impacting us nearly 2,000 years later. So this was the beginning of Saul's journey. And the reason I have just spent time to do that is because he came to a place where he said, I'm counting everything, everything as loss. And as we look at the way that we want to work and how we want to serve the Lord, um, I just kind of wanted to bring a verse from the Song of Songs, and this is the bridegroom talking to the bride. So it's Christ talking to us. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. And that's exactly what Jesus thinks of us right now. I just think that is so amazing because we're going to be with him one day and he longs for us to be in that right relationship with him right here and now and sometimes I feel God says to me Jesus says to me Jan I've missed you where have you been and I just need to come back into that place of knowing how much he loves me. That doesn't mean to say that we get things right, we need correction and sometimes rebuke, but it's all from that place of love that the Lord Jesus has for us and that God sent his son into the world to save us from our sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as Paul goes on to discuss this in this chapter um, of Philippians, he says, everything that I've got, I consider as, as rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. And he again explains really clearly. Um, he says, I don't have a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, but through faith in Jesus. And I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Now, I, I, I read this, I thought, Lord, I'm not anywhere near asking you to do that in my life. But because we can be assured of the love of God for us, if we want 
to be in that place, if we want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and to move forward with him, then he accepts us where we are and he takes us on. Because the other thing that we need to keep in our minds is if there's going to be any change or transformation in our lives, it will only happen in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we were thinking about being connected to the vine, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, sometimes I forget that and I think I've got to do it. And even looking at all these things like Jesus's priority, our giving, our Bible study, our prayer, all the things that we have looked at which make up an attentive life. We can sometimes kind of work along a checklist. Prayed half an hour, check. Done my three chapters, check. Taken care of my tithes and offerings, check gone to church ministry in some way or another, check. Told somebody about Jesus today, check. And somehow, for me, the life could go out of things. It becomes that I've done this, I've, I've done this, I'm okay. But it isn't, is it? It's not from that, it's from love, not for love. And I am sure that Paul discovered this because at the end of the book of um, chapter eight in Romans, we have this amazing verse which tells us about what God's love is like. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in creation is able to separate us from the love of God, God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we let um, Jesus correct us, maybe there are things that he wants to show us, it is from that huge capacity of love that he has for us. So, Paul goes on to say, and I find this quite comforting, I haven't obtained it all. I haven't arrived, but I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on and I'm forgetting what lies behind. Now, maybe that's a struggle for some of us. I know it has been in the past for me, I know that God's forgiven me when I've repented and confessed my sins or sin in a particular instance. But I can so easily be tormented by the memory of how, how dumb are you? How, how did you manage to do that? How did you get in that mess? And so it is quite comforting to, to read this verse that we've got here, forgetting what is behind. And that is something that we do intentionally because we remember that the price Jesus paid for our forgiveness is done, it's a done deal. And he goes on to look at the prize which lies in front of him. 
He also talks about being encouraged by other mature believers. He doesn't want us to be like one another. We're not to compare ourselves with one another, but we can certainly learn and be encouraged and helped by other believers. And then as he comes to the end of this chapter, he starts to tell us, we are not citizens of this country where we live right now. We are citizens of heaven. And again, how do we know that that's a done deal? You've, if you've got a passport, it's got the country where you were born the first time in that passport. But our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is our uh, passport. Our entry into heaven is because of what Jesus has done. And so he says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to put all the distractions, all the things that can set me off course. I want to press on to know Jesus in a deeper way. And he was aware of God's love in his life. And he was able to continue to do whatever God wanted him to do. And right near the end of his life, he was able to say, I've run the race. Now, I guess most of us are still in the race, but God wants us to keep moving forward. We've started the race and he will keep us on track to finish. And so we need to be obedient to what he tells us to do on a daily basis but to the prize is to see Jesus in glory. Now, some of us will go to be with the Lord before he returns, but some of us might be still here when the Lord comes for his bride. Now, many of you, if you've been here a while, you know of a dear brother called um, John Herbert, who went to be with the Lord nearly two weeks ago, two weeks ago tomorrow, tomorrow, Two, two weeks tomorrow, anyway. Now, he left this earth very rapidly and unexpectedly. And none of us know how that will happen for us. And it's one of the things that we have to trust the Lord for, so that we're not living in fearfulness or anxiety. But Paul says, eagerly await the coming of the Lord eagerly await the coming of the Lord. Are we eagerly awaiting the coming of the Lord? Or are we anxious about our jobs, our families, the state of the world, all the things that can easily distract us? We can put those things, those worries, those concerns, in the Lord's hands so that we are focused on what he wants us to do. He says too, I haven't begun to know Christ. And he knows that there's still more for him to know, to learn, as there is for all of us. And so along with Paul, we can say, I'm going to press on into all that God has for me to do here and beyond. 
And when, as I said, when Paul was um, about to leave this earth, he says in 2 Timothy 4, the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but for all who have longed for his appearing. So in this day, we have the opportunity to be busy about our Father's business. Again, not because we have to do anything to make God love us, but we, in gratitude, as we've sung this morning, you can have it all, Lord. Are we prepared to give everything, the good, the bad, the things we are, and the things we're not, that by his spirit, he will guide us and lead us. And like Ananias, we can be in that place of saying, here I am, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lead me today, guide me today. And we can be sure that God will do that. All the work that needs to be done, it just needs our willingness, our cooperation. And then when he shows us what he would have us do, that we are willing to ask him to help us to do that. So I am just encouraged. What, what for me, when I started to look at this um, chapter, was quite um, daunting and a, and a really big challenge. I thought, Paul loved Jesus so much. And that was the reason why he could say, I don't want anything else except to, to know Jesus more fully. Our love towards Jesus, because he first loved us, is the motivation, it's the joy of life. It's the joy, it takes away that stress of trying to strive to please God. As Paul, as in his early life had done, he was constantly struggling and striving to be right with God through keeping the law. And of course, it's impossible. It can't be done. So as we just think maybe about Paul's walk, is there anything that we are doing that is a, hind a hindrance to what God wants us to do? Maybe our love has grown cold. And we just need to realize that he looks at us. He says, my eye is upon you. I love you. You're special, you're mine. And that love will never disappear, will never leave us. And so, as Paul knows that very soon when he is written to Timothy, he's gonna be with the Lord. He, he is longing to be with the Lord. When you're, those of you who have been in love or 
a very special or close relationship. Maybe you know your grandchildren are coming to visit, whatever it is, or family members, and you cannot wait for them to arrive. Can't wait to spend time with them. And this is the challenge that I had. Jan, is that how you still view me? Remember when you were first saved and that joy that um, you just were, couldn't believe that God had done such a wonderful thing in, in what the Lord Jesus had done. And he brought us into his family. Our sins were forgiven. And we just felt, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I've been born again of the spirit of God. And we were filled with great joy. But somehow over time, we can forget that first love. And that's what we need to return to in our relationship. That as we want to be attentive to put Jesus as the first priority, it's from that heart of love that he has for each one of us, even when we've messed up. And again, Paul writes, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We can need sometimes to be chastised, to be rebuked, to be corrected, but we do not have to come to the Lord with a sense of shame. Because if we live in shame, we will never be able to press on. Yeah, we might feel guilty. Yes, Lord, I did that. Please forgive me. Show me why I did it. Sometimes we need to look at, but not from a position of shame because Jesus took that. He became shame. He took our sins and we can come. Lord, okay, I messed up. What do I need to see? What do I need to learn? How do you want me to go forward? But just like a loving parent corrects a child, and once that correction is given, then we just, we just move on. And all of the stuff that we would bring back again and say, well, I did this and I did this. Yeah, God knows all about that, but he's dealt with it. So we can be free, we can live in the freedom that God um, gives us in the Lord Jesus. So going back to that uh, initial verse in 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So that is where, if you're a believer, maybe you felt distant from the Lord, but we can return because that love is for us right now. And if you've never made that decision to have Jesus in your life, then that is simply a prayer away. Amen.